Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 28th. On this day in 1720, Anne Bonny and Mary Read were convicted of piracy. As is often the case with pirates, their early life is something of a fog. They each, though, wound up aboard the ship of Calico Jack Rackham. The story generally goes that Anne's husband, John Bonny, had been working in the Bahamas for Governor Woods Rogers, and he had been a pirate informant. But then Anne fell in love with one of the targets of her husband's informant activity, which was Jack Rackham, joined his pirate crew. Mary, on the other hand, was disguising herself as a man to join the crew, and earlier on in her life, she had similarly disguised herself to be a footboy and a soldier, basically occupations that weren't open to women. On August 22nd of 1720, Jack Rackham and Bonnie and the rest of a party stole a ship called the William, which belonged to a man named John Ham. They took on a crew of 12 and started sailing the William around the Bahamas, plundering as they went. They mostly went after small boats, especially fishing boats. They would basically take all the fish in the tackle and then be on their way. Sources disagree about whether Bonnie and Reed stayed disguised as men this whole time. In some versions, when they had a raid like this, they would be dressed as men, but they were in women's clothes the rest of the time. In others, they were just dressed as women, whatever. Uh, It's really all over the map. In October of 1720, though, one of the boats they encountered was a canoe that was being helmed by a woman named Dorothy Thomas. And Rackham let her go over Bonnie and Reed's objections that she might notify the authorities of where they were. The authorities already knew, though. Governor Woods Rogers had already heard about Rackham's piratical activities off the coast of Jamaica. He had already dispatched the privateer, Captain Jonathan Barnett, to take care of it. Bonnie and Reed were the ones on deck when Barnett's ship found and approached them on October 22nd of 1720. Most of the rest of the crew, though, were below decks. They were intoxicated. So Bonnie and Reed stayed above decks. They were fighting back-to-back with both pistols and cutlasses and shouting below to the men to come up and help. At one point, Reed reportedly fired her pistol below deck to try to get their attention and wound up hitting one of them. Ultimately, though, they were all captured. Trials for Rackham and his crew started on November 16, 1720. They were all found guilty and hanged. Rackham's last request was supposedly to see Anne Bonny again, and she had no patience for that, saying, quote, If you had fought like a man, you need not have been hanged like a dog. Anne Bonny and Mary Reed were tried on November 28th, and according to the general history of the pirates, quote, two other pirates were tried that belonged to Rackham's crew. That was Anne and Mary. Being convicted, they were brought up and asked if either of them had anything to say why the sentence of death should not pass upon them, in like manner as had been done to all the rest. And both of them pleaded their bellies, being quick with child, and prayed that execution might be stayed, whereupon the court passed sentence, as in cases of piracy, but ordered them back till a proper jury could be appointed to inquire into the matter. So they basically both argued that they should be spared hanging because they were pregnant. 
They were sent to prison. And Anne Bonny apparently survived her time in prison, but it's unclear what happened to her after that. Mary Reed died of a fever or possibly due to complications of childbirth before she was released. She's probably the same Mary Reed who's listed in a death record for April 28th of 1721. You can learn more about all this in the August 15th, 2016 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, including why that general history of the pirates that I just read from is a source you should really take with a grain of salt. That's why there's also so much supposedly and reportedly in this episode. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their work on this show. And you can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for A Massacre at Sea. Greetings, I'm Eves, and welcome to this Day in History class, a show that believes no day in history is a slow day. The day was November 28, 1967. Astrophysicist Jocelyn Bell Burnell became the first person to detect a radio pulsar. A pulsar is a celestial source of pulsating electromagnetic radiation that is thought to be a rapidly rotating neutron star. Pulsars emit pulses of radiation, like radio waves, at short, relatively constant intervals. In 1967, Jocelyn Bell was pursuing her doctorate at the University of Cambridge, where her advisor was radio astronomer Anthony Hewish. That year, Hewish and his graduate students completed a radio telescope that was designed to observe the scintillation of stars, particularly quasars. A quasar is a region at the center of a galaxy that emits an exceptionally large amount of energy. The first quasars were discovered by the early 1960s. Bell helped build the telescope at the Millard Radio Astronomy Observatory. Once the telescope went into operation in July of 1967, Bell began operating it and analyzing the data by hand. One day, she noticed a strange signal at a wavelength of 3.7 meters. The signal continued to appear over the next several months. On November 28th, she captured a recording of the signal that gave more detail. Bell called the reading a, quote, bit of scruff in the data. It showed that the signal corresponded to a burst of radio energy that came in regular intervals of about 1.3 seconds. The reading was synced with sidereal time rather than Earth time, and it consistently came from the same part of the sky. So she set about determining the source of the signal. It couldn't be coming from any natural sources like stars, galaxies, or solar wind. And it did not come from any human or human-made sources like radar reflected off the moon, other radio astronomers, television signals, orbiting satellites, or buildings near the telescope. After ruling out all those sources, she and Hewish called the signal LGM-1 because they couldn't rule out little green men, AKA aliens. But soon, Bell found another signal, this one pulsing at 1.2-second intervals. This signal was coming from a different part of the sky. That meant that the signal was likely not sent by extraterrestrial beings. Later that year, Bell noticed a couple more of these unusual signals. In January 1968, Bell, Hewish, and colleagues submitted a paper describing their discovery to the journal Nature. In the paper, Observation of a Rapidly Pulsating Radio Source, 
was published on February 24th. The paper noted that they had recorded unusual signals from pulsating radio sources and posited that the radiation may be associated with oscillations of white dwarf or neutron stars. But even though they had announced the discovery, they still didn't know the source of the signal. That didn't stop other scientists from trying to discover more of these pulsating sources and where they were coming from. By the end of 1968, more had been discovered, and it had been suggested that neutron stars were the source. Hewish first used the word pulsar in an interview with the Daily Telegraph in 1968. Bell and Hewish changed the name of the signal from LGM to CP, or Cambridge Pulsar, and the first radio pulsar they detected was dubbed CP-1919. Hewish received the 1974 Nobel Prize in Physics for his role in the discovery of pulsars, a controversial decision because Bell's contributions were not recognized. Since their discovery, pulsars have been used to study extreme states of matter and search for gravitational waves. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Send your best history memes to us at T-D-I-H podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email still works. Send us a note at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.